politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Merrick Garland today in the hot seat again in the Senate, claiming he received a letter, like an anonymous letter from the school boards association, you know, telling them, go after parents like they are uh, domestic terrorists. Just got a letter. No, that's not a letter. Good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? So much fallout from this school board stuff. I mean, it's unbelievable, but there's a lot more to talk about today. Great to have you with us. Hopefully you're having a good day today. I'll tell you, it's interesting to me that uh, we have now a situation where the United States Senate has Merrick Garland, the attorney general there, and Garland just wants to pretend like, hey, listen, you know, one day open up the mail, get this letter in the mail. In fact, this is a pretty good exchange with um, Senator Ben Sass today. I thought this exchange was pretty good. Take a listen. We got we received a letter from the National Association of School Boards. No reason to believe you didn't receive an anonymous letter. White House political staff co-wrote it with this organization, which is why the organization has rejected it. You know these facts now to be true, and yet you still won't disavow your memo. Why? You didn't receive some objective, neutral letter because all these people were being threatened. You are, the res- you are responding to a political campaign to politicize the Department of Justice. How big is the threat that American parents pose right now? When you, you lead a big organization, you have 100,000-plus employees. You have a lot of violence to go after. Are parents at school boards one of the top three concerns you face right now? That was a good exchange. And then Senator Ted Cruz p- pushed Merrick Garland on his family's ties to critical race theory and all the other nonsense that they are looking to investigate right now. You know, opposition to those things that they're looking to investigate. A big part of this, this letter is that they're upset about parents not wanting critical race theory taught. Your son-in-law makes a very substantial sum of money from a company involved in the teaching of critical race theory. Did you seek and receive a decision from an ethics advisor at the Department of Justice before you carried out an action that would have a predictable financial benefit to your son-in-law? This memorandum is aimed at violence and threats. I just asked a question. Did you seek an ethics opinion? Did you seek an ethics opinion? It has no predictable. Did you seek an ethics opinion? Judge, you know how to ask questions and answer them. Did you seek an ethics opinion? You asked me whether I sought an ethics opinion about something that would have a predictable effect on something. This has no predictable effect in the way that you're talking about. So if critical race theory is taught in more schools, does your son-in-law make more money? This memo has nothing. If critical race theory is taught in more schools, does your son-in-law make more money? Yes or no? This memorandum has nothing to do with critical race theory Will you answer or if you any sought an other ethics kind opinion? of curriculum. Will you ethics? answer if you sought an ethics opinion? I am answering the best I can. Yes or no? Did you seek an ethics opinion? This memorandum has Did nothing... Did you seek an ethics opinion? This memorandum has nothing to do with... General, are you refusing theory. to answer if you sought an ethics opinion? I am telling you that there's no possible... Con- so you're saying no. Just answer it directly. You know how to answer a question directly. I'm Did saying- you seek an ethics opinion. I'm telling you that if I thought there was any reason to believe there was a conflict of interest, I would do that, but I cannot Why do you refuse to answer the question? Why won't you just say no? I'm sorry. You're not going to answer the question? I'm sorry. Say, ask the question again. Did you seek an ethics opinion? I'm saying again, I would seek an ethics opinion. In so no is the answer, correct? There was a Senator, your time is up. 
that the record reflect the Attorney General refuses to answer whether he thought, sought an ethics opinion, and apparently ethics are not a terribly high priority in the Biden Justice Department. Boom. Good exchange by Senator Ted Cruz there. Boom. Now, <clears throat> the question is, of course, did the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, verify the allegations in the National School Boards Association letter? Now, this is the letter, of course, that was sent to him. You know, the one he just received in the mailbox one day. And <laughs> that's why I played that SAS clip first, because I think it sets the table for this. Uh, you know, opens up the mail and goes, oh, look, a letter. Look, honey, a letter from the National School Boards Association claiming that parents are domestic terrorists. Good, what, They want us to use the Patriot Act and the Matthew Shepard Hate Crime Act and the Gun-Free School Zones Act to use the federales. Gee, let's do it. Did he verify any of the allegations is the question. Okay, 15 of the 20 on the face of it are not violent. They're not threats of violence. They're parents who are unhappy. Yet, miraculously, when you write a memo, the opening line of your memo, in recent months, there has been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence. You know what? You didn't look and nobody on your, on your staff looked. Did you even look up the 20 instances? As I testified, the decision to make uh, send a memo is for an assessment. Did you look up the 20 instances? I did not read. Did anyone on your staff look them up? I don't know the answer, but it's not. Uh, but of course memo. you don't. In general, there's a reason. Look, you started your career as a law clerk to Justice Brennan. You've had many law clerks during the year, during your time as a judge. I was a clerk to Chief Justice Rehnquist. I'll tell you what. If I drafted an opinion for the chief justice and walked in and it said, there's a disturbing pattern of violence. Well, Ted, how do you know that? Well, I got an amicus brief here who claims it. You would fire a law clerk who did that. You're the attorney general of the United States. This was not a tweet you sent. This is a memo to the Federal Bureau of Investigations saying, go investigate parents as domestic terrorists. That is not what the memo says at all. It does I, not is it what the letter says? That is not what Is it what the letter says? I don't care what the letter says. You don't care. care? You said it was the basis of your memo. You testified under oath before the House of Representatives. The letter was the basis of your memo. Now you don't care about the letter? The letter and public reports of violence and threats of violence. My memo says nothing about domestic terrorism, says nothing about parents committing any such things. My memo is an attempt to get an assessment of whether there is a problem out there that the federal government needs to... The letter on its face says the actions of the parents could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism. And that is wrong. And, and asks the president to use the Patriot Act in regards to domestic terrorism and you'll directed at parents. And you'll this was the basis of your memo. My memo. The Department of Justice, when you're directing the FBI to engage in law enforcement, you're not behaving as a political operative because a political ally of the president says, hey, Go attack these parents because we don't like what they're saying. Department of Justice, you did no independent research on what was happening, did you? The memo has nothing to do with... Did you do independent question. research? You notice that? Did you do independent research? The memo has nothing to do with You're not with answering that question. It's, it's it, amazing. And uh, it, it got very heated several times today. Ted Cruz actually at one point asked him, if, in fact, uh, a Nazi salute is covered by the First Amendment, which, of course, the left is freaking out over. Like, well, why would he ask that? But actually, it is. 
I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't recommend anybody do that. But it, it is protected speech, obviously. So um, let's see. Another point where he refused to answer. This was a question now. If he considered the chilling effect of the Department of Justice's memo targeting concerned parents. Can you imagine Senator John Cornyn. the sort of intimidation, the sort of uh, bullying impact that a memorandum from the Department of Justice would have and how that would chill the willingness of parents to exercise their rights under threat of federal prosecution? Did you consider the chilling impact your memorandum would have on parents exercising their constitutional rights? The only thing this memorandum is about is violence and threats of violence, and it opens with a statement. But my question is, did you consider the chilling effect this would have on parents' constitutional rights? And and let me say, too, that's what this has always been about, the chilling effect. That's what it's about. He wasn't really going to start locking people up for saying stuff at school board meetings. They weren't even probably going to really use the FBI. This was entirely about intimidation. What do you think? They were really going to send in uh, guys that you're going to see guys at the school board meetings in the back of the room with earpieces in and dark sunglasses and suits and go, oh, is that the FBI? No, they were never going to do anything. The whole purpose of the letter was to chill you, to chill you out because they didn't like how upset you were getting over things like CRT, masks in the classroom, vaccination mandates, uh, you know, kids, uh, boys with skirts on sexually raping girls in the bathroom, you know, things like that. They, they didn't want you being upset by that. So this was a way to chill you out by having a chilling effect on you. It's exactly what it was about. It's entirely what it was about. To say that the Justice Department is against violence and threats of violence. Did you consider the chilling effect your memorandum might have on parents exercising their constitutional rights? I think you can answer that yes or no. What I considered, what I wanted the memorandum to assure people that we uh, uh, recognize the rights of spirited debate. and Mr. Spirit. Attorney General, you're a very intelligent and accomplished lawyer mm. and judge. You can answer the question. Did not. you consider... I do not. The chilling effect that this sort of threat of federal prosecution would have on parents' exercise of their constitutional rights to be involved in their children's education. I don't believe it's reasonable to read this memorandum as chilling anyone's rights. It's about threats of violence, and it expressly recognizes the constitutional right to, to make arguments about your children's education. As senators are going back and forth for votes during this time, we we'll have to try to keep to let the, the record reflect the attorney general refused to answer the question. Another time he refused to answer the question. By the way, that's Pat Leahy chairing the committee who was in the Batman movies and sounds like a Batman villain, doesn't he? Senators are going around and around in questions. It actually sounds more like Batman at this point. Oh, round and round it goes. But I don't know. Uh, <laughs> now, you know, what's interesting, too, about uh, everything that's going on. We got an election coming up soon, and this is all about school board members. This is all about it. This is this is entirely about not school board members, but the schools and the school issue. It really is. And one of the things that has come up in the last few days, as you know, has to do with vaccine mandates in New Jersey and whether or not King Philip the Unaccountable would, in fact, turn around and would require vaccines for children in schools and vaccines for adults, too, and whether or not he would have vaccine passports. Now, my question is, does anybody doubt that King Philip the Unaccountable Murphy would, in fact, 
require this stuff? Of course he would. Only an idiot would think that he wouldn't. Really, truly. And today he said as much. He said as much in his own hokey, dumb way that he always speaks, where he can't just ever say anything. He's always got to dance around it and use some dumb colloquialism. This time it's heck no. But take a listen. I would never say heck no to, to anything. We, gotta leave, we still have to leave options on the table, particularly if this thing takes a, a turn for the negative. But Yeah, particularly if this thing takes a turn for the negative, which could be at any moment, right? At any moment it could. Sure. But we know that the mandate's coming, and we know that vaccine passports are coming too. We know this. Nobody doubts this at this point, right? Nobody doubts this. And the other thing, too, that I think is very important to note is that when no, you think it, about, no, and this no, is the no, video no, again, no, if you no, forgot. The independent deciders would not vote for him if he did the mandate. Because they're on two of us. My rights, my sh Once you know we have a win, it's like, all right, guns blazing. Like, who cares? I'm in it. Let's do the mandates. Let's do this, the X, Y, Z. Project Veritas has obtained hidden camera recordings inside Governor Phil Murphy's campaign, including from a senior advisor who admits to hiding information from voters until after the election in order to appeal to undecided and moderate voters. Pero, ¿cómo así lo mandates? Yeah, imagine that they would actually do some real journalism, right? Good job by Project Veritas doing actual journalism here. It's it's so nice to see it being done. Of course, whether or not anything will come from this besides us talking about it in conservative media and everything else, I, I don't know. I doubt it. I mean, the, 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 the legacy media in New Jersey, the corporate media is certainly not going to talk about it. That's for damn sure. They're not going to mention it. They're not going to bring it up. They really should, don't you think? I mean, this is the kind of thing where if this is true, we should talk about it. Don't you think? We should talk about it. Now, uh, Virginia, where Terry McAuliffe said he doesn't think parents should be involved in schools, and these two states are super close right now, neck and neck, and, and you understand why parents are upset, right? You understand why parents are visibly upset and why parents are going to meetings. You know, why parents are going to meetings and speaking out. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that we're being lied to by the Attorney General of the United States, who's literally saying right now, literally saying, that this is really to stop domestic terrorism. And it's not to silence parents. But again, what are the acts of domestic terrorism, the possible acts of domestic terrorism, that would lead Merrick Garland to think that he should send in the feds? Well, great exchange today. Senator Mike Lee does a great job, always bringing up the Constitution. He's a constitutional scholar, very smart guy. You answered before that committee that your factual predicate for that was the October 22nd memorandum from the National School Board Association. The National School Board Association has, has been mentioned, has since withdrawn that memo, and yet you said that was the factual predicate. Given that that was the factual predicate and that it's rescinded its memo, saying that there was no justification for some of the language that they used in that letter, will you rescind your memo? Uh, Senator, I, uh, best of my recollection, I said that the impetus for the letter um, from my memorandum was that letter and also uh, reports um, of, of this kind of activity. What reports? I said again that uh, at the time that they were news reports um, that had um, uh, been published, and I think that uh, some of the other senators here have described some of those news reports, and we've certainly seen subsequently more news reports and more statements by board members of threats to kill them. Congressman Chip Roy of Texas uh, uh, said, uh, uh, raised in that same hearing uh, the issue of a 14-year-old girl in a school bathroom 
uh, being sexually assaulted in Loudoun County. Um, and you indicated in response to that that you weren't aware of that. And in the six days before you testified before the House Judiciary Committee, um, have you become familiar with the publicly reported details of that case? Yes, I have read about the case, yes. Um, if you were unfamiliar with the supposed instances of threats of violence and intimidation that the National School Board Association cited in the letter, then how did you determine that intervention by the FBI and the DOJ was necessary, that that was the right approach? So the right the approach in the letter is to meet with local law enforcement. That's what we've asked for, is to meet, to assess the situation, to see what their needs are, to strategize, uh, and to open lines of communication. Now, I'm hopeful that many areas of local law enforcement will be well able to handle this on their own. But this is the, what the Justice Department does every day. We consult with our local... Um, okay, let, let, let's stop this BS for a second here. Local law enforcement has not asked the Justice Department for help. You, you notice that? That's the thing, right? Did, did the Justice Department get a letter from local law enforcement going, please, Attorney General, we need the FBI here. We're being overwhelmed. Help us. I don't know, did your local police department send that letter? Did mine? I don't think mine did. should check with the chief. But, I mean, did yours send that letter? Dear Attorney General, we're being overwhelmed here in Morristown. We need your help. Please, please, General, come on in and help us. I don't think so, right? So then he says, we do this every day with, with law enforcement. We every day. They just randomly call. Go, hey, how's everything going over there? Just making sure you're good, need any help? And for example, you think law enforcement down by the border could use their help out of curiosity? Like, are they calling them, those towns, and going, hey, listen, just want to know if you guys need any help with the border situation. That we just call. We just reach out. It's what we do. We reach out, help out. You know, just trying to give a lend a helping help hand here. Nope. They don't do that, of course. And state partners and see whether assistance is necessary. And, of course, we, we continue to have our own federal responsibilities with respect to uh, uh, communications by the Internet, uh, in, on social media, um, on telephone, uh, uh, through, the, uh, through, the, through the mail. But I'm hopeful that we will not be needed in this area, that our state and local uh, partners will be able to handle these threats. Uh, um, my, my time's expired. Um... I just want to state for the record as I close that my staff and I went through every news source raised by the National School Board Association. There was no explicit death threat. Um, and I choose here to reiterate my concern that um, not, every, not every outburst or expression of concern by neighbors, among neighbors, at a local school board meeting warrants a federal investigation certainly doesn't warrant the involvement of 94 U.S. attorneys in a way that threatens, intimidates, and tends inevitably to chill First Amendment activity. Thank you. And that's the whole idea, is a chilling effect on First Amendment. When I was a kid, my dad used to have a phrase, let's not make a federal case out of this. Let's not make a federal case out of this. And that's an important point. Let's not make a federal case out of something. But... That's exactly what this has become, right? Exactly what this has become, a federal freaking case. Did it have to be? No, of course not. Uh, of course not. But this is where we've gone with Attorney General Merrick Garland, and it's entirely about the chilling effect. It's entirely about the chilling effect on parents to just get you to be quiet, as I mentioned earlier today. Uh, and it, went, it got pretty heated several other times, too. 
Senator Tom Cotton fact, Cotton fact check uh, Attorney General Garland over the use of uh, Biden's memos. He fact checked him over the fact of saying that um, uh, that this was in fact uh, shameful. They, it was pretty tough. They went after him pretty tough today. But this is really, really good. Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, claims ignorance of a Department of Justice memo that advises of 13 different federal crimes potentially prosecutable against concerned parents. Remember that he says, well, no, we're here to help, right? We're not here to name any specific instances. We don't know of any specific instances. That's why we're just here to help. And that exchange with Ted Cruz, he pointed that out too by going, Senator, this is this is not a, you know, I don't know what could come of this, so why would I ask for a, a you know, a, a check on a conflict of interest? But actually, there are 13 different federal crimes potentially prosecutable against concerned parents that were outlined. Garland doesn't know about them. Do you think that a parent who looks at the 13 different federal crimes that your Justice Department has identified they might be subject to and prosecuted for, like making annoying phone calls, do you think that they're going to feel that they're welcome to speak up at a school board meeting? How about this one? They could be prosecuted for using the internet, I guess that would be Facebook, in a way that might cause emotional distress. To a victim. Is that a, is that a crime of violence? Senator, I haven't seen the memo that you're Why talking about. Why haven't you? And I don't, I, and I, I, even from the description, it doesn't sound like it was addressed to parents. But if you No, it, was, it wasn't addressed to parents. It was addressed right. to prosecutors. That's the problem. Why haven't you seen the memo? I, uh, I, I don't know why I haven't. I don't look at every, I, have, I do not get every memo that every U.S. attorney uh, sends out. But uh, if you're... Wait, wait, wait a minute. Don't, don't, I, I just want to be sure I understand this. this. This is a memorandum that collects 13 different federal crimes parents could be charged with. It has United States Department of Justice on the top of it. And you're telling me you haven't seen it? Who's the memo from, Senator? The United States Department of Justice, United States Attorney for the District of Montana. I have not seen a memo from the District of Montana. I not high enough priority for you? It's not, that's not the question. I don't... It is I, the question. Answer my question. Is it not a high enough priority for you when you're threatening parents with 13 different federal crimes? I, These aren't crimes of violence. You've testified today. You're focused on violence. That's not what your U.S. attorneys... They work for you. That's not what they're saying you haven't seen it because it's not a high enough priority or what? A question of priority. No one has sent me that memo, so I haven't seen it. What do you mean no one has sent you the memo? You run the United States Department of Justice, do you not? There are 115,000 employees of the Department of Justice. Indeed, and you are in charge of every one of them. And, and this was a sufficiently important case that you issued a memo. You, over your signature, issued a memo involving the FBI and the Department of Justice in local school boards, local school districts. Your U.S. attorney... He's like, hey, man, don't hassle me, okay? I'm not responsible for what the people that work for me uh, do. And what does that guy do again? Oh, he's a United States attorney? Oh. Oh, that kind of a big deal? Kind of a little bit? Like Maybe like a tiny little bit of a, of a big deal, I guess? A little, little bit? A little bit? Ah. All right. Well, I think you get the gist of it from today. I mean, I could do this for hours. I really could. There's there's a lot of stuff going on here. Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Let's see this dumb story from NBC News that this Thanksgiving, be prepared to fork over more of your dough for your feast. I do love these stories, even though it is disturbing that for this Thanksgiving, maybe more expensive for us. I do love these stories because of the, a lot of puns in them, usually. Let's see if I'm... Right about this one. The bad news is you'll probably be surprised when you actually look at the cost of everything. <laughs> this 
Thanksgiving, be prepared to fork over more dough for your feed. Boom! Last year, as people gathered in smaller numbers, Thanksgiving prices were the cheapest in a decade. But now, with higher demand and lower inventory, pound for pound, gluttony is going to cost more. We're sitting in almost a perfect storm of multiple issues at one time within the food and ag system. The nation's food supply has been hit hard by transportation costs, labor shortages, and inflation. The cost of turkey is set to surpass the all-time record by the end of the year. And in North Carolina, it's almost twice the price to ship sweet potatoes from the farm to your table. This holiday season, fan-favorite canned cranberry sauce will also cost more. Those cans are made of steel, the price of which is up more than 200%. Does anybody like cranberry sauce? Is that really a thing? Because I got to be honest with you, not a fan of the canned cranberry sauce. Not a fan, but I get it. It's very popular. I'm probably in the minority on this. I understand the point. Look, the reality is that uh, people are feeling this this pinch of prices. We're all feeling it everywhere we go. And now they're saying that the price of alcohol is going to go up just in time for Thanksgiving too, which is going to be a problem for you. And I'll tell you why. Because you haven't had to deal with your in-laws uh, you didn't, maybe you didn't have them last Thanksgiving because COVID, and you're going to have to deal with them again this year. And what I'm telling you right now is that without alcohol or with very expensive alcohol, it's going to be even tougher for you. I'm just letting you know. Now, the good news is, though, we may have another variant in time to stop Thanksgiving. No, it's terrible. I shouldn't make jokes about that, right? I should... <laughs> I should not make jokes about it. I'm just kidding. I don't really mean that we're, I really want another variant. Obviously, it's just a joke that I don't want to be with my in-laws for Thanksgiving and I'm hoping for another variant. I would never, ever really, really, really want that. You know, really, truly. But anyway, this is what uh, Asanto Fauci says. I guess he took time today from dogfighting to uh, speak out on this. Those 93 million people are not getting vaccinated for the most part. My concern would be you may allow a variant that we haven't even recognized yet to come along and, in fact, be better at transmitting. You know where it could come along? The southern border. Just FYI, Doc. It just It could come along the southern border. Like I've been saying for months now, which is where the other variants have come from, which is they literally walked into this country from the southern border. Uh, like the uh, the the Lambda variant, which was going to kill us all, remember? That turned out to be a big kind of nothing burger. But it's very possible. Variant could just kind of walk in here. It may already be here. So give me the lecture now on unvaccinated people. Go ahead. And more serious than the Delta. We haven't seen that yet. So rather than be worrying about these others that are around, let's make sure we don't let new ones come in. Well, our unvaccinated people, the reason we're seeing these new strains and will an increase in vaccinations mitigate the virus morphine in multiple ways? Uh, Well, that's a good one because the answer is short. Yes. (laughs) Got it. The answer is short. Yes. So why are we letting all these people in the country without making sure that they're vaccinated? I'm just saying, I'm throwing it out there, asking for a friend. Why not make sure that all these people coming in the country are vaccinated? I keep asking this question. Yes, Fauci took time from dogfighting today or maybe just flat out killing dogs in the name of science. I'm not quite sure. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, Oh, the other big story of the day today is uh, on the set of the movie Rust, Alec Baldwin, uh, who who in real life now plays uh, a movie assassin, obviously. I mean, what a mess. What a disaster now. The sheriff had a press conference today 
this there's going to be indictments coming. It looks like uh, the sheriff found a bunch of stuff, ammo, weapons, all kinds of stuff today at the uh, press conference that they had, like in the middle of the afternoon today. Uh, this is uh, take a listen here. Over the last few days, Santa our investigative team has been working diligently to conduct interviews, execute search warrants and collect and process evidence from the scene. During this process, we determined that there were a limited amount of movie set staff present in the area where the actual incident took place, although there were approximately 100 people on set. Through the execution of search warrants, we have collected about 600 items of evidence. These include, but are not limited to, three firearms, approximately 500 rounds of ammunition, and several pieces of clothing and accessories. We believe that we have in our possession the firearm that was fired by Mr. Baldwin. This is the, vi- this is the firearm we believe discharged the bullet. We also believe that we have the spent shell casing from the bullet that was fired from the gun. The actual lead projectile that was fired has been recovered from the shoulder of Mr. Souza. The projectile was recovered by medical personnel where he was being treated and turned over to the sheriff's office as evidence. We regard this specific spent casing and recovered projectile to be the live round that was fired from the revolver by Mr. Baldwin. We have recovered what we believe to be possible additional live rounds on set. All the previous mentioned items, along with other items of evidence, will be submitted to the FBI Crime Lab in Quantico, Virginia, for analysis. We are working thoroughly to gather all the facts of the investigation, continue interviews, and further further analyze the problem. So uh, I guess, you know, they're doing interviews. They're analyzing everything. That's a good uh, summary for you of what they discussed today. But, you know, there's a question, though, and this question is, as executive producer, executive producer, does that mean that Alec Baldwin was really in charge here? And I think that, yeah, the answer is yes. And you're going to see more and more of that. By the way, a brand new poll just came out a short time ago on the New Jersey governor's race. It's from the Monmouth University Polling Institute. Uh, they say it's a slight narrowing in the governor's race, but little change overall. Um, I, 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 I Listen, Monmouth poll, they say half of 50% of registered voters support Murphy, while 39% backs Chitterelli. Registered voters means nothing. Registered voters means absolutely nothing. You know when you put registered voters out there as the headline of a, of a poll? When your guy's losing. And uh, Monmouth University Polling Institute has a history of, of, of skewing left, obviously. The real question is among likely voters. Likely voters. What's that? How are likely voters doing? That's the only question you have to ask yourselves. Registered voters means nothing. Are the people going to go out and vote? That's the question. Forget registered voters. It's a stupid, stupid thing. It's really a dumb thing. And when you look at people who are likely voters, they're more likely to vote for Jack Chitterelli. Chitterelli has an advantage over Murphy on being trusted more to handle taxes. But they say Murphy has a larger edge in education. I, I don't I don't believe that for a second. Uh, 
And they also say the pandemic, too, and uh, abortion and transportation. Well, I mean, these are all things Democrats are going to vote for a Democrat for. But I would tell you, though, when it comes to registered voters versus likely voters, if the likely voters are definitely going to vote for Jack Chitterelli and they're saying that in the polls and they turn out to vote and they will because they're likely voters, Jack Chitterelli can win this race. No doubt about it. The momentum is definitely going in his favor. There's no doubt about that. And you, you look at the, uh, the president's approval rating, which has been plummeting, and it's bad for him. The Monmouth University poll was conducted by telephone from October 21st to 25th with 1,000 New Jersey registered voters. That's it. 1,000 registered voters. You take this poll and you rip it up. This is not, and look, and I'm not a guy who dismisses polls just outright. I don't do that. But I'm telling you, this, this poll is worth nothing because it's registered voters. And it's 1,000 people. And also it came out before that hidden video came out saying that King Philip the Unaccountable would actually turn around and yes, he would. Uh, he would require a vaccine mandate for New Jersey's kids and New Jersey parents too. And yes, he would require vaccine passports. We all know that. And by the way, last week I had my friend, Dr. Jerry O'Malley on. We were discussing the Havana syndrome. And do you know something about this now, which is amazing, is they still have no idea what the hell this thing is. Senator Mark Warner today is a clown from Virginia. He said, the fact that we still don't know for sure who did it and how these attacks were carried out is very, very problematic to say the least. We are in a bipartisan way absolutely on top of this. The problem though is we don't know exactly what's happening. More than 200 American personnel, mostly diplomats and CIA officers, have reported symptoms consistent with the illness, the Havana syndrome. Now, why are we not talking more about this? Why do you think it is? It's a apparently now a directed energy weapon wielded by a hostile foreign government. They say Russia. Well, the investigation's ongoing. You know what? I don't think it is Russia. You know why? Because if it was Russia, they would talk nonstop about it and they'd blame Trump, which Mark Warner did also, blaming the Trump administration for its handling in the sharp increases in the Havana syndrome and not doing enough about it. I mean, they blame the guy for everything, even for electromagnetic pulses he's not doing. I mean, come on already. Uh, apparently now they've reached a deal on the budget. The Democrats have reached a, a deal. Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, and the Democrats have, re- have reached a, an agreement. But I'm telling you right now, uh, it's not going to go over well with the liberals, the lefties, the socialists, I should say. They're very, very upset by this. So I wouldn't get too excited about it. I don't know if anything's going to come of it. And that's a good thing, which actually makes me excited because I don't want anything to come from this stuff. But they may have just uh, struck a deal on infrastructure, but uh, that may be about it. They they may have come out and struck a deal on infrastructure, and that may, you know, be the end of it. Well, we shall see. We shall see. Have a great rest of your day today. I appreciate it. I know today was a lot of clips from the Senate hearing, but I thought it was important for you to hear them go after the Attorney General of the United States of America. Key takeaway today? Yes, he does think you're a domestic terrorist. That's it. That's all I got to know. The school board association thinks you are. Biden thinks you are. And the attorney general of the United States thinks you are. Because you are in their mind. Because you're not going along with their agenda. You don't like critical race theory. You don't want your kids being masked. You don't want your kids being forced vaccinated. You want parental choice. You want say in the matter. Kind of a monster are you? Have a great day.